Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we had a lot of all those things to talk about over the course of this past week. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, of course, is Jeremy Feinstone, contributor to the Fight Game Media Network. Today was Wrestle Kingdom 18, the biggest show of the year. We had lots of title changes, new world heavyweight champion, a culmination of what ended up being a 10-year storyline. There were exciting matches emotions uh and it was just a great day of professional wrestling kind of thing that makes you remember why you love it all so much uh and we're going to get into the details of it at first but uh jeremy my heart was flat out soaring after this show was over with i thought it was uh fast paced considering its length we'll get into that uh it was each match was a little bit different and each one provided something a little bit different than anything else on the card I walked away from that thing reminded of why I love professional wrestling. I guess you can't ask much more from a show than that, can you? I don't think there was a bad match on the card. Everything had something to offer. Uh, Frisk, everything on the undercard was 15 minutes or less, basically. And then once he got to the main event, it was 25, 30 minutes. You're in, you're out. A lot, lot of spectacle to that main event. Wrapped up some loose ends, made some special moments, and... Uh, I had a great time. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Show was five and a half hours long yeah. from Rambo to end. Did you get five and a half hours sleep between the end of the show and now? No, sure didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm going on a lean <laughs> mixture right now. Thankfully, it's uh, I've got my uh, my coffee here. But uh, I, I had a great time. And you're, you know, the, it was fast-paced. No match uh, went over. I don't think anything hit the 27-minute mark let alone a half an hour. Everything was tight. There were a lot of elaborate entrances and some things going on between matches that were a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's just something where the pace felt good. It it never dragged. It uh, it had something, uh, a lot of variety to it. I'm just thrilled with this thing. This came out better than I thought it was going to. And I did have high expectations for this show came out better. And it was part of just a phenomenal week of pro wrestling. And I'm glad we have some of our regulars here. Brad is here. I'm glad to see you, Brad. I know that uh, he's been watching everything in the world this week as have we Venkin is here. We're we're glad to see, uh, uh, glad to see you here. We do have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, So I got two things that I'm going to come at you quick first. Yeah, go ahead. Everyone in the audience. Please wish Stephen Conway a happy birthday today. Oh, geez. No, it is. No. It is Thank his you very birthday. Much, Thank you. Is every Wrestle Kingdom, and we got to get that out of the way. Second, because it's his birthday, if you want to hit that like, subscribe, <laughs> comment, share, <laughs> that's the gift that he wants the most. He wants this <laughs> podcast to go far, far, and wide. Um, anything that you can do to spread the gospel of the Speaking of Strong Style show, we would very much appreciate it. And third, Stephen, back to the show. Okay. Anyone do pageantry better than New Japan? No. Well, I mean, there WWE has had some real home runs over the past few years with some of that stuff, but uh, there was but there were some special home, moments. Like wrestling pageantry, when it feels like you're in a, like a wrestling show rather than mm. like maybe the Super Bowl of something. Okay. There's there's something special about Tokyo Dome hits different. I guess mm-hmm. it's the what I'm trying to say. And when yes. those entrances, I think, I want to say from El Desperado on, they were on point. Every mm-hmm. one of the entrances that came out. And even the ones before then were just like amazing 
but they became next level at that point. Was yeah. there anything about the Edwards that any one of them that struck you that looked like that you were wowed by? Yeah. Will Ospreay's Assassin's Creed themed entrance I thought was great. I don't play video games and it's not because I think they're dorky or anything. I'm terrified I'd get addicted to them. So I stay away. They're, they're too good right now uh, these days. So I don't, I don't play them. So I don't know a whole lot about Assassin's Creed, except I know that he, I recognize that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't live in a cave. I recognize that one. And apparently he uh, got total permission and cooperation from uh, Ubisoft, the company that makes the game uh, to do it. And they even promoted his entrance. Uh, and thanked him for it, basically. He paid a little tribute to it on their social media. So that was pretty cool. And I thought it looked great. Uh, I love that they gave him the the old Rey Mysterio, you know, the 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 uh, platform that shoots up uh, and launches him. Right. I thought that was a phenomenal one. And, of course, the big one there, Jeremy, for the first time in his entire career, Brian Danielson got pyro. <laughs> he got pyro for the first time. <laughs> WWE, AEW, it's New Japan that gives him pyro for the first time. Uh, so, yeah, there were some very special entrances there. And the set looked really good. Did you, uh, did you, did you understand John Moxley's mask? Not really. I mean, I, I understood it was, it's a, uh, a DC Comics thing, correct? It is a DC Comics reference. It is in reference to the character named Jason Todd. Actually, in the poster behind me, uh, the Robin that died in the comic books, but through comic bookery, came back. <laughs> Fair enough. Understood. And he held a grudge against Batman for letting, for letting him die and or not doing everything in his power to save him. And mm. so he is uh, someone who's died and he's angry at the people that have taken him out in the past. And so mm. he wore that because of what Finley did at uh, Power Struggle. And so that was his Death Rider Red Hood tribute, Jason Todd. And I wanted to make sure we got to tell that story because, goddamn, that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. And, you know, the thing is, we this whole thing, we'll talk about it when we get to the match-by-match match part of it here, but we had the culmination of really what ended up being a 10-year-long story at the end of this one. And they gave us the ultimate happy ending right there. So you left the show feeling elated. Tetsuya Naito, the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, like we were hoping. And uh, it, there were just a bunch of beautiful moments on this show, though. And uh, some surprises, definitely some surprises. Uh, there were some things there I was not expecting that came in, but almost all those surprises uh, made me happy. And there were a couple of matches that damn near stole this show. And this is a hard show to steal. So I felt the energy was strong right away. Perhaps it was because the guys weren't getting a ton of time because they were going to try to get all this in in five and a half hours. And I thank New Japan for doing so. This show was shorter than Noah's show, and Noah's show felt a hell of a lot longer. Mm -hmm. It was only about a half an hour longer in total, but Noah's show felt a lot longer. And um, there were some ankles dragging on that Noah show that really, uh, that really yeah. caused it. To and we're not, we're not here knocking anybody on that uh, for the moment here, but it, it's just a matter of uh, the energy was there, and each match had a different uh, energy where everybody seemed pretty jazzed up, and the crowd was into everything. This was an enthusiastic. Yeah crowd and that really does help too and uh, we're going to get to some of your comments here in just a second guys we're um, this I will get to King another show yeah made I, every other show in japan this week seem like an indie and i don't mean that in a bad way but it was the size and spectacle of the tokyo dome who's like the noah show which had a modest but like appealing stage and like the matches were you know 
strong within Noah, but leaning heavily on New Japan. And then the All Japan card had the Miyahara and Nakajima match, which was basically like what headline, what carried that entire card. And then you have thoughts about the startup show, but in a mm. whole, like this, this thing was like the big time this week. And they, they staked that big time deal. Uh, another thing that I thought. It was the culmination of a very big week in Japanese pro wrestling. And the good part was the buildup to this culmination was very strong. Each company that we're about to talk about here, Noah, New Japan, uh, All Japan, and Stardom all had strong crowds. And uh, and it was it was a big, big week. And, uh, oh, USVA guy is here. Uh, good morning from Tokyo. Glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, Dunstan, glad to see you. Uh, glad you're here. I uh, already said hi to, to Brad and Venkin. And, and Brad mentions this, too. Uh, Mox said in an interview that he loves the Batman universe, and that is his favorite character. So this is something that he really enjoyed getting to do uh, that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Brad also mentions the show made me so excited about Tomorrow's Dash. Yeah, no kidding. I, I'm do you, do you guys think that Daniel and Okada are in a tag together? Oh, let's hope. Please, yes. I would love that. I, I know they just did it last year with Omega and Okada, the impossible. But they weren't, but they weren't opponents with each other. Right. They were in completely different matches, so they could do that. And yeah. it wouldn't be the same thing. Dunson says, completely agree with you, uh, Stephen. Oh, thanks. Uh, the show somewhat flew by, and the pacing felt like they wanted to keep it on the small side of length. Yeah, I mean, for a five-hour show, it just moved. It just had, uh, and even the little cameos and things were all uh, really strong. And Brad says, Danielson, Mox, and Shota as a team. Ooh, I like it. There's just so many ways they could go with that mystery vortex thing, isn't it? It's going to be so. Going to wake up, going to watch that show, and I'm going to turn off the internet and enjoy myself. <laughs> so let's talk about the week here. So uh, Stardom had a, a crazy week too. I mean, they uh, they had a sold out 1,536 uh, person turnout for the Tokyo Dome City Hall show, which is of course in the same uh, general area. It's within walking distance of the Tokyo Dome. And uh, before the show, I think it was like two and a half hours before Wrestle Kingdom, they had their show. And uh, 1,536. And it was a historic day for stardom as well. First of all, New Japan related. Mayu Iwatani retained the IWGP women's title. She beat Shuri and what everyone's talking about is a fantastic match. The other huge news, Jeremy, is that Julia... Uh, disbanded Donna Del Mundo. And the storyline reason was that now that Micah has won the World of Stardom title, uh, Shuri's held it. Uh, certainly uh, Julia held it. Now Micah holds it. Therefore, according to Julia, their mission has been accomplished. That was the storyline reason uh, for disbanding. So Tekla is apparently going to go back home and heal up. She says she's banged up. And uh, everyone's kind of on their own for right now. And we'll see how all that shakes out. Uh, Scott, Edwards talked about how there's going to be some big changes there, but is this part of Julia's swan song? Could be, uh, but a, a huge, huge day. Go ahead. I, tell you. I had every intention of watching this show. On Tuesday, around 3 o'clock, I go on Stardom World. I pull my iPad. I get the Apple TV. I sync it all up to, to stream it. And uh, I'd, I'd watch the Noah show earlier in the day. I'm like, all right, time for Stardom. They didn't, they took the YouTube feed down but they didn't upload the right show on Stardom World. And yeah, so it, it it was my window. It was my window to watch it, and I had every intention to watch it. And then I didn't, so I did not get to see the show. Well, that was the Dream Queendom show. Now, the, the one where they disbanded everybody and Mayu had her defense was today's Well, I show. wanted to watch the Dream Queendom and then yeah. like watch the next one. I didn't well, get to one or the other. 
Dream Queendom was a terrific show. They drew uh, three thousand the uh, the uh, to uh, Sumo Hall for that one, fifteen hundred, and then uh, they had a strong thing in the Yokohama Budokan on the third for the Triangle Derby and the Rookie mm. of the uh, Rookie of Stardom tournament. Nine hundred sixty people at the Yokohama Budokan for that show, so that was good. All Japan drew twenty five hundred in Yoyogi and two more shows that were over one thousand in Korokan Hall, uh, including the uh, title defense. Uh, of Nakajima against Charlie Dempsey, and then he beat uh, Kento Miyahara in a really good match there in Yoyogi. And then Noah, of course, at uh, their show on the second. <laughs> well, <laughs> we might talk if we have time. We'll talk about that main event in there later. But a heavy New Japan influence on that show drew five thousand one hundred thirty-four to the Ariaki Arena, which is an excellent turnout for them as well. So it was one of these weeks where everybody uh, built to a peak. It looked like a lot of fans were going to a lot of these different shows. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people I, I saw on social media catching multiple shows throughout the week, which is a blast. I'm jealous of you all and happy for you. And uh, it was just a, a week that led up to this big Tokyo Dome event that then somehow managed to, after all that buildup, surpass the expectations. I, mean, I, I just feel so good right now. And, and I know this is a New Japan podcast. And of course, you know, of course, I'm rooting for them to do well. But this is a special day. But a rising tide lifts all ships. Even. Yeah. And that's the whole idea in Japan. I will say from that Noah show, uh, my main takeaway was that Tomohiro Shii and Masa Kinemiya was a fantastic match. <laughs> one of the and, best of the week. Uh, it was among one of the best of the week. And that is well worth your time to go seek out. So, so let's let's get into that a little bit because the matches from Dream Queen. If you're going to put together a best of this whole week, okay. I would recommend, of course, Suzu Suzuki and and Micah for the World of Stardom title. Also, the tag team title match at Dream Queendom, fantastic. I would also recommend, uh, like you mentioned, Kitamiya and Ishii had clearly the best match on that show. The GHC title match between uh, Soya there and Keno was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the Miyahara Nakajima match from All Japan, uh, great stuff. And then, of course, Mayu Iwatani and Shuri uh, was uh, a great match uh, today at uh, Tokyo Dome City Hall. There are others. There are others. Yeah, but yeah, there are others. It, but it, if, you wanna, are... if you have to pick and choose other stuff for the week, those are ones that I would make that's, sure. That's almost yeah. two or three hours worth of matches right there. So. Oh, God. Yeah. And then and, you got to uh, find them, and it's a whole deal. Just, yeah. yeah and, it was and a fun week. It is the future seems a bit brighter for Japan right now. Mm. Uh, definitely some ambiguity with some talents, where no. they're going, who they're cooperating with, uh, that kind of thing. But you know, people leave and people get back. Yeah, and Vankin mentions the fact they disbanded. I was like, Julia might be leaving for sure now. Yeah, it's looking more and more. Oh, my birthday. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and then uh, what we had here, Venkin said, uh, Sayori Anu versus Mirai, the end is better than the start. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's not a bad point. Watch the last five minutes of that match. The first bit of it didn't go great. Uh, and thank you for the birthday wishes. I appreciate that. But uh, the, the first bit uh, didn't go great, but the last five minutes really took off right there. And yes, I did get David Finlay as a champion for my for my birthday, but I, the way it <laughs> happened, I'm actually not too upset about it. We'll talk about it. I'm not, you know, I've it was just a a very interesting thing they did on with that. So which I'm which I'm kind of into. We're gonna get into it. So uh, I guess it's true. we just go ahead and break down this Wrestle Kingdom card, right? Is there anything else you wanted to add before we start really looking into this? No, follow your lead here, buddy. <laughs> That's fine. Well, let's let's begin with the Rambo. 
because we got a good example of one of these. Now, Rambo's, of course, this is Royal Rumble style thing where a guy enters every however long minute, minute or two minutes, wasn't really sure. And uh, the, of course, the idea of this, we're going to get down to four guys. So once it's down to four, the match stops. Those four people go on to New Year's Dash to compete for the provisional 2024 King of Pro Wrestling title. So we're not going to go into this piece by piece, but uh, Rambo's are never great matches. But this was an entertaining enough version of one, I thought, to make for a good action warfare. It was, yeah. They they brought in guys in chunks. You know, you got a couple of war dogs, then you got basically all of United Empire, then you got mm-hmm. others that that came in. Uh, so uh, there were surprises like uh, Fujita Junior Hayato, who is somebody that's come in through the uh, Frontier Zone and multi, uh, not Multiverse United, but the Junior Heavyweight. Uh, uh, shows that Hiromu Takahashi uh, puts on where they bring in guys from all over and various promotions. So he came in and he got a little, a brief shine in this one. Uh, Iska came back for the love of God, the man with the iron fingers and looked fantastic. This guy hasn't eaten a carb since he retired. Looked great. (laughs) Yeah. And he looked, he looked great. I I mentioned, and it looked the, the guys lining up, to sell for him was a lot of fun to see. You could just tell that everyone was just like, I'm going to get bit. I'm getting bit. He's going to bite my head. I can't wait. You know, they were just waiting to sell for this guy. And uh, yeah, I went through. How did Taichi uh, know to bring the iron claw with him? Well, I, the, I think that just, it, well, that's a good point. Now, did he bring it or did that just he appear? Brought it right? he, he ran down, he undressed, he pulled the pouch out and he slid it to Azuka. And I was like, is that the claw? And then he pulled out the claw and I'm just like, I've seen that since Suzuki's retirement like ceremony. The Iron Fingers of Doom. Uh, so, yeah, but in the end, the final five were uh, Yo, who was going for some sort of comedy thing. I'm not really sure about on this. He came out like he wasn't dressed to wrestle. He was. He came out in a, in a sweatsuit, a tracksuit, one of the New Japan tracksuits, bright blue. He's inheriting Gucci. And he, he, he what now? He's inheriting Gucci's role right now. He's the comedy guy. He came out in shoes and socks, both of which were removed. He spent half the match laying on the top rope because he got crotched for approximately 20 minutes by Yo, or show rather, on the top rope, and he just kind of laid there. So he was doing his own thing. Like Yo was, Yo was experimenting. Well, he, he came out with the shoes and socks, and then the so- shoes were removed at some point. Yeah. And then his socks were removed by show, and so he was barefoot on the rope, but it wasn't because he came out that way. No. It was just- it was like the chaplain-esque, like, silent comedy that's happening in the background. But the problem is, Stephen, the feed kept cutting out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we were all watching this on a Japanese feed for the most part. And some of us were having to refresh and jump in and jump out. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of ambiguity and confusion about exactly what was happening where. And so we're doing our best to recap this because there are chunks for me that I missed out of this, like, who got eliminated where, and we were piecemeal trying to figure out like who did what where on some of these eliminations. The new version of NJPW World is still stumbling out of the gate, and it has not found its footing as of yet. And and it did struggle today. There were times when uh, the when Walker Stewart and Chris Charlton just weren't on, even on the English feed, they were playing the Japanese commentary because something was going wrong. And then if you got out of that and then went back in it, you could kind of hear Walker and Chris. And it was, it was very strange. And it settled uh, down by the main show, but it was definitely not great. 
Chris is uh, Brad mentions that Chris uh, Charlton's line about Hayato is he'll kick yo, he'll kick show, he'll even kick cancer was great with his story. Absolutely right. He did he did find a neat way of bringing that in. Brad said the Rambo was fun. The thirty minutes went by very fast. It did. Yeah. It, again, it was another thing where because of that gang warfare thing, the the faction warfare where they would bring guys in 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 chunks. You know, one guy would come in, then his partner would come in, then maybe a third from that group, and then a different group. It it made for little chapters within the match instead of it just being a dozen guys in there in the corners kind of, you know how sometimes a battle Royal can get to be like people are standing in corners and just kind of either choking or clubbing waiting for their turn to do something. Instead, this did have small chapters within it that kept the story moving. And a USBA guy says, is a guy completely made my day seeing him. I was pretty happy too. And uh, yeah, so it came down to the final five. And I, we're not going to break down this entire match here. Don't worry. Final five were Yo, Great Okan. Uh, and again, Yo, mostly laying on the ropes there, but he hung in. Chase Owens, Taiji Ishimori, and Toru Yano. And uh, I, I, I thought Ish, uh, Taichi might be a little bit more involved in this, but he and Iska got tangled up when they couldn't uh, come together on that. Iska uh, turned on him there, turned on his former uh, keeper, and they got thrown out together. And just can't trust those maniacs, I tell you. And uh, in the end, Okan gave Owens the eliminator on the apron, and he fell out of the ring. Almost went start to finish, because that was the thing that Chase Owens was the first guy in, but he was the last one eliminated from being in the final four. When he hit the floor, that was the end of it. So to, uh, at uh, New Year's Dash, yo, Great Okan, Chase Owens, uh, not a Chase Owens, excuse me, uh, Great Okan, Yo, Ishimori, and Yano will be the four. Yano's right. already held this thing. Okan's competed for it. And so there's a little bit of continuity from past years into this. Your final four for the KOPW. An entertaining Rambo. It'll be it'll be fun. At least uh, Ishimori's in there to keep it athletic. <laughs> that'll be... Uh, that'll yeah, Yo's be, in there. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Yo needs somebody to work with to be athletic. And Taiji Ishimori is typically more aggressively athletic. And uh, if that makes any sense. Okay. So well, we'll see. Uh, next one. Yeah. And there was only 15 minutes until the main show started. We didn't have to wait too long. Match uh, that opened the main show for the junior heavyweight tag team titles. This was Catch 2-2 against the War Dogs of Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. Now, this one only went nine minutes and 38 seconds, but it was more about TJP because, of course, last we saw him before today, he had been loaded into a coffin at Corican Hall and not seen since. Uh, Francesco Akira did the press conference by himself, and his ominous quote was, it's not a matter of if TJP will be there, it's or what it's what he will be. Right. Uh, you know, it, so Akira came out with a coffin. Apparently, TJP has been in there ever since, and uh, they rolled that thing out there. And he, Akira, opened up the coffin and out came TJP, but dressed as Aswang, who's a mythical Filipino monster. And of course, he has a little bit of, uh, or I don't know, a little or a lot, but there's uh, Filipino blood TJP there. And uh, it was a cool looking mask and an interesting outfit. But uh, this is a Bray Wyatt-esque. Like everything about it screamed like the fiend uh, with the mask. And I don't know if that was a tribute or just... Like that's what he wanted to do, but there were there was definitely there was definitely vibes of of that, and apparently made him bulletproof as he took the no chaser and the drillakilla in short 
order and uh, both the guys finishers and he stopped the ref's count by reaching out and grabbing the referee's wrist before it could hit the mat for the three which is stupid but you know hey we're not going to quibble about this but uh he didn't actually get his shoulder up he just grabbed how is that okay anyway i'm not going to get into that but uh the point was that he was indestructible at this point and uh the match continued on and he sprayed either red mist or it was maloney's own blood back at him uh, Maloney did get a nick there. He was cut uh, during the match. There's a long and blood in the shirt. There was, yeah. Although I don't think most of it, I don't think any of it was intentional except Moxley, who uh, bleeds if you hit him with a rolled up newspaper. So you always expect that. But uh, the they did hit the double running knees on Maloney to eventually win the match. It was a good match. And I, I'm going to say that I agree with Brad here. This gimmick might eventually get in the way of this Aswang thing. Uh, if he lets that be too much of it. But he said, I like Catch 2-2's entrance. I think the gimmick of the Aswang ha hampered the match. The commentary trying to sell the spooky stuff wasn't good. It, it, yeah, it's not... Well, I mean, you've heard my thoughts on Bray Wyatt on the rap and all that, and his in-ring work. Not, uh, and it was... Uh, this isn't my favorite stuff in the world, but uh, supernatural stuff. But he didn't necessarily say he had superpowers, did he? he? It was just a costume. I wonder if this Aswang thing, Jeremy, could be a way of TJP bringing in a... Finn Balor-like demon gimmick for big matches. You know, just something you bring out. I for big sincerely matches. hope that that's what it is. If this is if this is like an everyday like me and my pet monster uh, kind of thing, I'm hmm. I'm not really here for that. Like you've already have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for that. Afraid. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so I'm with some of these folks. I am not into the spooky. The the spooky yeah. shit is not my is not my jam. Uh, I I went to I went to Dave Melker's house last night and I watched a show there and I spent five minutes before this match started trying <laughs> to explain to him what was going on with TJP and the Ant Swan and I don't think I actually succeeded when he saw what what was presented on the on the thing so he's gonna do a go recap of this tonight but. I, I tried everybody. I tried to let him know what was going on with TJP. And uh I this one was not a success. I'll have some more stories throughout the night, but uh that's definitely one that happened. I, I spent five minutes prepping him and it just I, I didn't do a good job. You can only do what you can do. So Dunstan says it shouldn't be used every feud. That kind of gimmick doesn't fit so well in New Japan. Yeah, agreed. Let's see what they do with it. I mean, you always expect some sort of special presentation for Wrestle Kingdom. And and if he's doing it like Finn Balor uses the demon, I'm not too torn up about that. That that might work. Uh, but uh, you know, let's let's give it a chance on this one. But I'm I'm a little skeptical as well, gang. I'm a little skeptical. If this is, well. if this is all the time, no. If but hey, is... good wrestling match. Good wrestling match. And and you know, the thing is. They fooled us a little bit because Connors and Maloney made this big deal that they had had a new new straps made for the belts. So it's it's about the same, it, you know, the new title belt thing. Uh, in white, they came out in white. And uh, Jeremy, the, the white thing didn't turn out too good for most people tonight. Yeah, no, uh, the only person who wore white and walked out happy was Naito with those boots of his. But uh, other than that, it was uh, the good guys wearing white or the bad guys wearing white or just wearing white. Just not not your night but you know they came out with the gear matching the belts and you just think well they you it, know, was, it, it was looking it, good they were they, they they were they were fading you hard toward the title retention fading yeah. you hard toward the title retention and then uh, as it turns out no the Aswang the Aswang just too strong for him so uh catch 2-2 two, two, uh, a great tag team and once again thumbs the, up uh, match. we yeah. we we haggle about the details but this was in fact a thumbs up match for me yeah 
And after that, we had President Tanahashi coming out there. And uh, this was interesting for a few reasons before we get to the match itself. So, uh, of course, Hiroshi Tanahashi, now publicly uh, known as the president of New Japan, and he was out there uh, against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for the TV title. Zack, uh, of course, going to to going for the 4-0 singles record in the Tokyo Dome, starting your career 4-0. Uh, not very many people have done that, Jeremy. It's like Hulk Hogan was a Jushin Liger, and there was one other, I think, you mentioned that got to 4-0. Uh, so it was a uh, be a big uh, moment for him, and of course he's got all these title defenses over the past year with this TV title. N- new president is coming. I thought this was nice uh, that Mayu Iwatani had made it her way over from Tokyo Dome City Hall and sat in on commentary for right. this one after her win uh, over Shuri. So it was good to see at least a little bit of visual presence for the IWGP Women's Champion. Uh, they teased a fast win by Tanahashi with a sling blade. Uh, ace is high and a high fly flow attempt very early, but Zach got his knees up and then it settled in. And even though this only went eight minutes and 53 seconds, again, brisk pace. Great. So fun. Great. Matt wrestling. He's such a great opponent for anyone, but especially for Tanahashi because Tanahashi knows every move in the world too. And that's something that doesn't necessarily come through when Tanahashi wrestles other people, but he knows everything. Every submission, every counter, every different pin attempt. You know, the guy's just uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge for pro wrestling. Both guys are. You can say that about either one of them. Sure. Beautiful series of counters that I can't even possibly explain here led to Tanahashi getting the pin in a classic Zack Sabre Jr. scramble where they're finding 10 different ways to get each other's shoulders down on the mat. Uh, it was a win for Tanahashi. In the reverse, like, I got you for a roll-up. I got you for a roll-up. They, like, they switched the momentum. And usually when that ends, it breaks up, but it actually ended with a pinfall and it caught everybody by surprise. Zach was gracious in the loss. He was a total baby face in that. And what this hopefully means is that Zach is on to bigger things. And with Will Ospreay obviously heading to AEW, and the good news about AEW is he might be able to come back for special occasions. But this could move Zach a notch or two up the foreigner hierarchy. And he's already pretty high, but uh, I think all of us think that Zach uh, could be uh, part of the world title picture or, or something in, of that nature. And maybe it's time to move him away from the TV title. I'm perfectly okay with it. Uh, of course, now, <laughs> again, the TV title was supposed to be for younger wrestlers on smaller shows in smaller towns. And this is about as far away from the intention of this title as you could possibly get. Uh, but hey, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> Good match. Hell of a good match. We'll see what Tanahashi does with this TV title. Uh, the other thing that struck me on, on this is uh, he did a speech afterwards, and we were told that Tanahashi is going to address the crowd as president, and he did, and he said absolutely nothing. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the least he could have possibly said, which was, thank you for supporting New Japan. Continue to support us in the future. So uh, no major announcement there. That was the only letdown, I thought. I mean... We were all there for the Tanahashi announcement. Kanata and Naito, nobody was paying for that. We all wanted to see what Tanahashi had to say <laughs> at some point. You, you that were we curious weren't, what he that was, was indeterminately planned throughout the show was, in fact, what we were here to pay for. <laughs> and Brad says, uh, Big Vinny V said this was the best closing eight minutes of a great 30-minute match. Say <laughs> the idea being that it was a, a fun sprint. That's not a bad way of putting it. And uh, Vacant just said, on the two thumbs up for me. 
Venkin says, and I made the joke multiple times, the president needs to flex his title at meetings, and then this happened. Yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, and then <laughs> Dunstan says, Tana pulled an Anoki I mean, uh, okay. by putting himself over. But keep in mind, keep in we mind. We make these jokes, over. right? We make these yeah. jokes. But the TV titles, those matches are put on YouTube. And yeah. if somebody wants to watch TV title matches, you could do far worse than having Hiroshi Tanahashi matches put free on YouTube against random opponents for 15-minute matches and say, hey, this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. And Vankin, Mayu didn't get lost, surprisingly. Oh, okay, fine. It's, not, it's true. Hopefully somebody did lead her over there. That's true. The, she, Mayu plays up the uh, clumsy, spacey character uh, very, very well. After that, we had our special singles match. Now, I think that this was a bit of a two-match suite in the middle of this show, and this is the first of the two. So we had this one, and then we had the evil Ren Narita versus Shota Umino and Kato Kiyomiya. I felt like both of these matches were here to do very similar things, which was go on early in the show, which was a smart move, because both of these are toward the beginning, not at the beginning, but toward the beginning of a much longer term story being told. They don't need to be higher up on the card yet because Yoda Suji and Yuya Uemura, Ren Narita and Shoto Umino are going to be very high on a lot of cards going forward. Both of these things were just little chapters in the early stories there. And uh, I thought it was neat to put them back to back and to do it that way and to just kind of say, okay, in our third and fourth match, you're going to be seeing guys who will be in mains and semi-mains for years and years to come. It's not their time yet, but they're coming. And I thought that was the whole message of putting this little two-match suite here uh, as the uh, – I, I don't really want to get into the whole Three Musketeers thing because I think that's the previous administration and Uwe Mora is as good as any of them, but the future, that foursome that is the future, uh, began to take stage here. We had Uwe, Uwe Mora and Yoda Suji. 10 minutes, 57 seconds. It was Uemura's first singles match since his return from excursion. He'd been in tags and nothing but tags since. It was all Suji early, so that pointed at our finish a little bit. The best spot was Uemura pushing Suji off the rope. Suji flips and lands on his feet, then super kicked Uemura out of the air when Uemura jumped at him. That was beautiful. As the match built down the stretch, it was a bunch of big moves. You know, it was a New Japan match there. And eventually, Uemura managed to get the deadbolt on to win. So now, Suji has to chase him instead of Uemura having to fight to get this match, which was the story of December. Suji just saying, I don't know if you're worthy. You're going to have to pin me before I think about facing you at the Tokyo Dome. Well, he did pin Suji in a tag. And that led to this match. Mm -hmm. Then, Uemura has now pinned Suji. And it's a great storyline because now Suji can't sleep at night until he gets this win back, right? Now he's the one that's chasing. Now he's the one that's going to be demanding uh, return matches. It's a perfect spot for this match as a chapter in a story that will lead to bigger things in the future. Uh, I enjoy it. I look forward to seeing more of these two in the ring together. They have good chemistry. It was good stuff. Uh, you've touched on the main stuff, but I just think the future is bright after seeing this match. There was definitely mm -hmm. a like, okay, New Japan's going to be fine with the shepherding of young talent that we have and the people that are already there and these guys thrown in the mix. Uh, Yuya needed this match, you know, like he needed to look good in this match. Yoda was fine, but like Yuya needed to deliver more than Yoda did. And I think that they both accomplished what they needed to accomplish in this match. And that's mm -hmm. a good thing. 
Yeah. Yeah, I get some comments on here. And <laughs> he said about Mayu, it's not really a character. She's a pretty big goofball. Well, she has, it has a personality. She's very bubbly and she does play up that kind of uh, space thing. But uh, yeah, maybe she is a little bit in that. But the clumsiness, I'm convinced, we'll get into this another time. The clumsiness, I'm convinced, is an act. I've got reasons why I think that. I think she actually plays that up big time. But uh, Dunstan disagrees with us a little bit. Okay, Dunstan, what do you got to say there? I'm sorry, but I don't think Yu is is ready just yet. Suji looked like the better competitor in that match. Well, I mean, I, okay, yeah. I, that might actually have been ring psychology, uh, if, if that makes any sense. Um, Suji looking dominant for the match, but losing is an excellent story. It means that, like. Yuya knows the Juan Yoda game, and he's got him, even if he's not overall the better wrestler. He's the guy who's got his number. Yeah, And he's, uh, Brad mentioned Suji came off as more of a star than Yuya did. Yeah, that I believe is true. And so in that case, and this is an even smarter result then, because Yuya is the one that needs to be pulled up a little bit. I think Yuya is a really good wrestler. There's no doubt Suji has a stunning amount of charisma for this stage of his career, especially considering as a young lion, he certainly had personality as a young lion, but this has blossomed far further than just about anybody else coming back from excursion and just being just an electrifying presence out there. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that is something that has come leaps and bounds and Uemura hasn't gotten there yet, but he's still a good wrestler. I would argue that we are comparing them as if they are exactly the same point in their career. This was Yuya's big first match entrance and opportunity. Yoda already had Dominion. He had the G1. He had a bunch of opportunities here and there for these big match moments. This was Yuya's first time, and he mm -hmm. came out. He came out way better than a lot of people were expecting him to do. In all honesty. Yeah, it was good. It was good. We'll see how this one develops because uh, this is certainly just the beginning of that part of this story because Suji's uh, just the way they've been circling around each other and the way that their careers were tied together as young lines. Suji's not going to be able to rest until he gets this back. So, uh, and uh, Dunstan mentions it may just be the style of Yuya that's a little too close to Ren when he came back and he needs time to develop more. He's, he's going to get baby that. Face. He yeah. is the super baby face, even more yeah. than Shogun. Like yeah. he's just Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> yeah, and that's who they keep comparing him to, which is a steep uphill climb, man. That's a tough act to follow. Uh, up next, we have an even quicker one. Kato Kiyomiya and Shoto Amino versus Ren and Evil. This one went just about the way we thought it would for the most part, although the uh, different person uh, getting the pin than we thought. Seven minutes and six seconds, Jeremy. We were on fast forward here. Cool entrance. Shoto Amino coming in on a motorcycle, uh, looking like a badass there. That was It was quick, but it was good while it lasted. Uh, and uh, Umino, my favorite moment of the match was he hit that where he vaults himself over the top rope and hit a DDT on Narita on the apron. That looks great. Uh, in the end, they had the push-up bar shot uh, on Umino. That was by Narita. They threw that push-up bar in for uh, Katsuyori Shibata, the Kaiser Soze of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, then the double cross from Narita to Umino to win. We thought that House of Torture was going to win this match because it only made sense uh, because, again, this isn't the blow-off by any stretch of anybody's imagination. Uh, but they went all the way with it and beat Umino and had Narita do it, so they are just firing up the heat, uh, so to speak, on Narita here. They're just trying to get things nuclear warm on Ren Narita and just have him em embarrassed, beat down, poor Shota, 
uh, for uh, a little bit longer and on a bigger stage so that when Shota gets his revenge, it's uh, all that much uh, sweeter. Evil and Kiyomiya had a couple of moments in this one, but seven minutes, this was in and out. This was maybe the weakest match on the card and it was a lot of build towards the future and making sure that Kiyomiya got some shine on the show. Shota got an appearance on the show. But if you want to see a, a more thorough match with these guys, you need to go check out that Noah show with the uh, the 12-man elimination match uh, mm-hmm. with all these guys in it. It told a far better story and gave a lot more feature and, and, and highlight to the to everybody in here. And that's fine. And this was fine for what it was. Too. It wasn't bad or anything like that, but it was, it was simply not the night to focus on, on these guys. No, and, and they weren't trying to. And this was almost a signal. It's just like, more to come, more to come. This is just to whet the appetite. And uh, whenever Umino does get a, a win over Narita after all this, uh, the crowd is going to love it because they're pretty pissed at Ren right now. They've been very effective. And Ren's, been good. Ren's been good in the role. Of acting like uglifying a Ren, of making him just the, the dirtiest little troll uh, out there. <laughs> would you call him run the rat <laughs> yeah, yeah and benkin mentions that uh evil cut noah shirt in half as well yeah i that feels like it's not over with either i think we'll see more of kia kia mia yeah. uh and he, like dunce said not bad not great but it wasn't time for it to Still thumbs up. i refused yeah. to, i refused to not give this a thumbs up because it wasn't bad and it didn't go long yeah and and ren is doing fabulous in this and showed us a great baby face so this is going to develop nicely now then the show took a turn. <laughs> Tama Tonga and Shingo Takagi walked into that ring and decided, you know what? Let's see if we can steal this thing. And they damn near did. Jeremy, this yeah. match was incredible. Now, it was far <laughs> better. Brutality. Far better the than end- a, a really good match. I saw this in Vegas. I saw Shingo win the title in Las Vegas from Tama Tonga there at, uh, at Samstown. Uh, yeah, at Samstown. And this match, and it was a good match. Enjoyed that match. It was a good title match. This thing was phenomenal. This never open weight title match between these two was beautiful. What did you think here? Every single person yeah. who said, I don't understand why they're doing Tamatonga and Shingo Takagi again at the Dome. Doesn't seem exciting. I'm not here for this. Okay, whatever. We're all going to have to eat a giant bag right now. It basically what is what we're doing i was one of those people mm-hmm. i really did not have any interest in this match i will say i was wrong this match was very good this match was tremendous this match caught my attention early and it refused to let me take my attention away from it and it was violent it was hard-hitting it was snug uh i, do, I don't know anything other than to say that these two men had something to prove for that tonight and uh they came out there and proved it when we talked last week to Chris Samsa, we said that this was an angle alert because we just thought, why would you go back to this unless you were going to do something else? And what we underestimated was Shingo and Tama's ability to do something different than what we had seen in their previous stuff. And by that, it far out exceeded any expectation right there. They knew that they had to do something different than Las Vegas because not that that Las Vegas, that that Las Vegas match was really good, but this is the Tokyo Dome. And they had something in mind where they just thought, you know what, we might be the talk of the town after this thing. And, and they really did a great job. 
Uh, interesting twist at the end that we're going to get into these comments because it's it's definitely worth talking about. Uh, and we will right after this here because you guys have some good thoughts on it. I'm interested as well to see where things go. But uh, Shingo hit a tope con hilo for the love of God. I don't remember him doing that. But I know he's done it before. I don't personally remember the last time he did it. It's been a while. Uh, Tama hit his big splash off the top. It was exciting. It was snug back and forth. It, there really wasn't a long period of any one person selling. The whole thing was that these two were in a bit of a battle of wills and broken bodies. Uh, and uh, the chemistry was fabulous. It they built, might have had the move of the night. This match just built wow moment by wow moment. There was a an attempt at a maid in Japan. Yes. He pulled Tamatanga up and he flipped and turned it into a gun stun, which was just one of those, oh my God. And, and now this is the middle of the night. I don't know my what time it was. Dropped. My dog is sound asleep with his head in my lap. You know, like, so I've got like an 80 pound puppy. He's about nine months old. And he's 80. He's great Pyrenees. So he's huge. <laughs> hey, and I, I just kind of <laughs> popped straight up and went, wow. And he got up and started barking because he thought like he, like he had missed an intruder or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, buddy. It was like, uh, my girlfriend's sound asleep. But uh, anyway, they, it, it was a big wow moment. And uh, eventually the DSD was countered into a Hurricane Rana. So then the other story began to be told here. Tama hit a bloody Sunday. That was a moment number one. Shingo ended up hitting a, a gun stun of his own. Then he hit Made in Japan for two. At this point, because of all these little wow moments that have built up and big moves, the crowd was into this. They were feeling like, oh, we're watching something special. And you know, that, that little moment where you realize that guys maybe you didn't expect are really turning on the Jets. And the crowd starts to get behind them, just think, go, guys, go. You know, like it was like that. Uh, Tama ended up hitting a Styles Clash, then a Gun Sun for two. Big pop for that. He finally hit the DSD to win. So over the course of the match, Tama paid tribute to all of his mentors the Gun Stun he got from Carl Anderson, the uh, Bloody Sunday from Prince Devitt, Finn Beller. And then, of course, the Styles Clash for AJ Styles. And uh, so he did all that, won his title back, and then strangely went to the back and announced that this is my final month with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm going to work in the United States now. And now that I have this never open weight championship, I'm out of here soon. So, And he said he decided on that today. So we have no idea if New Japan was aware that uh, this was going to happen. And uh, perhaps if they did, maybe they just decided after 10 years of strong service, we'll let them go out on a high. Or if they were as surprised as the rest of us, we just don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. But uh, it leaves that title hanging in the balance a little bit if he's absolutely leaving, uh, which it sounds like he is. Someone in our uh, in our room uh, who's watching the show said, why the hell would they put the belt on him if he's leaving at the end of the month? <laughs> that's what everyone's wondering isn't it i mean so the question is did they even know i mean maybe that's something uh, that he didn't I mean maybe he kept it to himself until the conversation is always the contract they're up at the end of the uh, the yeah. end of january and renegotiating he might literally just said you know like yeah you know i do business look carl anderson left with that belt and he disappeared and they find they were able to figure out a day for him to come and do that tamatonga won't be nearly as difficult they'll find a person you know you had a prediction that I think is entirely possible, and that is one Hiromu Takahashi and Tamatonga in a match sometime in the near future would not be completely out of the question. 
Yeah, there are a lot of ways they could go with it. Uh, so I, I, it's uh, Bank and Mentions. Let's get some of these comments because I want to hear people's thoughts on this because I was a little rattled by myself. Now I want to ask, is it on purpose they always hit a style Styles clash in the Tokyo Dome? There's a love affair with AJ Styles and New Japan that is a, a beautiful thing. There's any trip. That move is so over in Japan. If anyone does a Styles clash, it always gets a big pop. Mm -hmm. He's been gone for a long time, you know, but it's a, they love him there. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think they, they know that you can get a pop with it if you can do it. Uh, yeah. And then Brad just mentions Thomas post-match comments pissed me off so much. And he says, he elaborates by saying, I'm all for going home to be close to your family, but he better drop that title tomorrow. If he, blind, if he blind, if he blind, if he blindsided the company with that, that's a little weird. And maybe it's an honest reaction that he did just decide uh, that, you know, maybe it's not going to get better than this. I just had one of the best matches in the Tokyo Dome and I'm going to now's the time to go. I don't know. I I don't know. At the same time, that Tokyo Dome match sure did feel like a goodbye match in a lot of ways. Like that was his last real big match. Like he did all the tribute to all the. All the other you, pe all the people. You're right, passed. except he friggin' won. <laughs> he did, but it, he could drop the he could drop it at the end of a tour, a new beginning, and it's not exactly the biggest show in the world, but he could still lose the title or just you know vacate the title. They might do that, just do a tournament for that, something. But he's not, not leaving. He, he's not leaving until the end of the month. So there's still sure. there are still like, opportunities. there's a show in in a week, Battle yeah. of the Valley. He could certainly have a match there. Like, it is not doom and gloom. I'm thankful for the service of Tamatonga in New Japan Pro Wrestling. There is time for him to do business and drop the title to someone along the way. We are not in the red zone. No, no. And, you know, the, the key is, too, they could do something at Dash to, uh, tomorrow that sets up a match sure. later on this month, and that might tell us what we need to know about how this is going to turn out. And at least he, at least Ghetto has a night to think about it. And you, know, uh, you can have uh, Tangaloa turn on him and and take the title from him, and then all is... of a sudden Tangaloa is the never open weight champion. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Hey, I know we get a better idea, but as, as ideas back. <laughs> as ideas go, that is one of them. Uh, Brad That's says, is he, great, taking, is, is he taking the rest of God with him? And he said, I don't. Think Duncan so. says he can take Tangaloa. Uh, it is a curious question. Is like, what's the future? There are, okay, so I did a uh, I did a podcast segment on We Work Stiffs, like eight hour retrospective, um, about New Wrestle Kingdom. So they did eight hours. They had a bunch of people on a bunch of different shows, but they actually did have ELP and Nicolay on their show as well. Mm -hmm. And they said if they didn't win this match, they would seriously reconsider where they're going to go on their next step of their careers. But if they won the match they would probably stick around. So I get the impression that ELP and Nicolaio are not uh, are not feeling the same thing at Tamatonga. says, as for who should take the belt off him, Hanare, Nakajima. Everybody, everybody wants Nakajima in, in uh, New Japan. No one would argue that. Uh, any of the war dogs. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of choices. And and uh, let's see. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah. So some madmen jumped them backstage. Yeah, true. Um <laughs> Legend yeah, has yeah. it that Ghetto and Finlay are still running away from the press conference. We'll get to that. Yeah, they might be. They're getting their steps in, aren't they? They're getting their steps in. He vacated the president's uh, the premises pretty quickly. And uh, USVA says the company definitely knows he just had another baby. They've discussed this for the last four months, according to him. So you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. They uh, there's time. Even if they didn't know, there's time for a plan here. And Tomatonga's not going to walk out with the belt. He he loves New Japan. So 
It just that never title has been in weirder situations than this in the past. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But hey, hell of a great match. Just a fantastic I, match. Yeah, Perfect. no, uh, uh, underrated match of the night. Shingo Takagi is so great that I, I just feel that even if he never touches the world heavyweight title again, and I kind of hope he does someday in, in some yeah. form, uh, I think he should go into the Observer Hall of Fame the same way Ishii did this year. It doesn't have to be, have to be immediately, but just as far as work goes just great match after great match yeah. after great match i think he's gonna get my you know he would get if i had a vote he'd get it uh but uh he really should be in there and and matches like this really prove it because no one was looking for that no no it was uh caught everybody by surprise probably shouldn't have the c bracket for the g1 tremendous top to bottom and this <laughs> was the uh this was the spiritual finale to it after this, we had the title versus title match, the IWGP tag team titles versus the strong openweight tag team championship. So you had Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto, Bishamon, against El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. Again, under 10 minutes. Really fast, but really good. Uh, both of the Nemeths were ringside for this one. Made a point of showing them. That's, of course, Nick and Ryan. Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler. Uh, both teams are very, very smooth. More excellent energy here. Uh, they knew they weren't going long, so they went hard. And it was fast moving. And eventually, uh, Bishamon hit ELP with the Shoto, but Hikaleo broke it up. Just do a couple of the highlights here. Uh, Goto kicked out of the Super Thunder Kiss splash after the choke slam. I believe it's the first guy that take the whole thing, the choke slam and the Thunder Kiss, and then kick out. ELP hit a pile driver, and then the big finish, Jeremy. <laughs> Hikaleo jumping off the top rope <laughs> and hitting the splash himself there instead of ELP. The big man did it. Uh, they ended up pinning Bishamon and Hikaleo and ELP are now the double tag team champions. And this uh, story continues on with uh, maybe Jato's the manager of the year now, really, if you think about it. He, he's had a wildly successful year. Yeah, uh, everything turned to gold. If, if, if only I knew perhaps where the idea for that finish may have come from. Hmm. I wonder if uh, if only we had a video <laughs> clip. <laughs> Why don't you play this and show the people what we're talking about. If it wasn't for ELP. So he does push me. <laughs> I was wondering way. about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, when the first time it didn't work out, I was like, you know what? Let me try it myself. And you doing a thunder season. kick off the top rope. Was, and then your poor knees, my man. Your poor knees. How are you feeling? Are, are you ever going to try that one again? Oh, yeah. Oh okay. yeah, of course. Yeah. I, that seemed I mean, like a Tokyo Dome moment. Like uh -huh. if, if it were up to me, I'd see I'd see a thunder kiss like that off the Tokyo. Both of you doing a thunder kiss. Now I know why he does it, man. The rush you get for being up there. When he held me out there for a second, I was like, "Damn, this is pretty damn cool." There you go, folks. Right there, uh, it was uh, projected. Yo, right he's sitting there like you're giving away our finish, bro. <laughs> Who knew? But uh, you know, we we you know, well, uh, you know, we're we have an idea of what's going on with this company, I tell you. No, but uh it, this was a terrific match, like you said, only less than 10 minutes, so it's never gonna be in that classic tag team match epic category because you just don't have time. But what they did with it was terrific. Brad says I'm very interested in seeing where the tag scene goes from here. Uh me too. There's a lot of really good teams there now. And uh Dunst said so the biggest question is what will they do with both belts? And uh, defend strong in the U.S. and IWGP in Japan uh, might be Vankin's suggestion. That's what I think they should do. Me too. Me too. I, I think that the you know that 
the strong titles should be the ones that are defended in the U.S. and keep the other ones back. And I, I, I don't think it's that complicated, except they've never really figured out how to do that. Uh, Dunstan says merge the belts. Merge the belts uh, in a giant uh, capital. We don't have yourself. enough belts in New Japan. That's not possible. <laughs> you can never have enough. Uh, you know, there are enough, trust me. But uh, good match. And again, it does lead to things in the future. Bishamon's always there. Uh, you can always bring them back into the picture after giving them a little bit of a break and the, the fans a little of a break and <laughs> refreshed. Yes. That's what I was just saying. That Dunstan, Dunstan has strong opinions on this, which is fine. But there's there's TMDK. There are the War Dogs. There are uh, teams like Hanare and Okan who are real teams, really. They just they might not have a name and matching outfits perfectly, but you know that's that's a good team. There are places to go with this. And uh, I think the tag team division, what we just saw in World Tag League, a pretty good World Tag League, we've got some real options coming here. And, and I think that there are uh, – it's, it's nice to have a new team like El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. I'm excited about the tag team division, which is the one real weak spot in New Japan lately is that heavyweight tag division uh, since the loss of Aussie Open. I think they might be on the path to uh, creating a, a new dynamic division there. You know, I am I'm in a position right now where I think that they need to have a long and decent run because they took the IWGP titles from the three-time World Tag League champions, uh, multiple winners at Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP tag titles. And so if they are shortly to lose any of these titles, it immediately undercuts them and the run before that. Um, if that makes any sense. So ELP and Higaleo should really be holding these titles for at least three or four months with uh, at least five or six title defenses, hopefully. Um, that That's kind of where I'm at with it, mainly because of the work that has been put in to legitimize the tag division through Bishamon up to that point. And Dunstan says, I hope we get some actual stories for the heavyweight tag team division that are built well. Yeah, that's that's really what we're asking for, isn't it? And they have one on the shelf that they can bring out whenever they need to, which is TMDK being the best team that hasn't won it before. That's there if they need it. I don't want them to go to it right away yet. We can we can wait on that. We can, but there there are places to go out there, and the War Dogs are always going to be in the mix, right? Because we saw that they were a big part of this show, even though they were out early in the Rambo. They were an entertaining part of the Rambo, and then they would come back later in in a big way. So they have plans for those two. The future is bright, and the last thing they need to do is hot potato those titles. Yeah, yeah, no, that that I agree with totally. That, that this should not be a one and done thing by any stretch. So. Yeah, uh, now, are we ready to move on to <laughs> IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match? Been waiting for this one. Hiromu Takahashi, Al Desperado. I know they've met in the Tokyo Dome before. This one felt different. The build-up to this one felt different. The execution of it felt different. I love the idea that Hiromu in the press conference says, this is the last time I am facing Desperado in anything except a main event. Yeah, I love that attitude, don't you? Just that whole thing. No, no, no. We are worthy of main event status. He's right. And uh, I love that he said that. Uh, This match was 14 minutes and 21 seconds. It was excellent. Of course, these two are spiritual, you know, like they're just spiritually connected as far as wrestling. They're like spy versus spy. They're eternally going to be in combat with each other. It's going. It's so great, and uh, you know that they're certainly like wrestling soulmates. You know, like the like what Rick Steamboat and Ric Flair had, where they just 
they 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 can fall out of they can just fall out of a plane or something, land in the middle of a ring, have a five star match. They just go right into it. Some of the highlights for this one, uh, about halfway through, there was a long uh, numero dos segment that was well worked and established that uh, that Hiromo's knee might be a little bit squirrely going down the stretch. Hiromo kicked out of a pinche loco, but after exchanging big moves, Desperado hit a pinche loco pile driver. Oh my God, Jeremy, this move looked incredible. And then the pinche loco to win and 14 minutes and 21 seconds. It was smooth as silk. It was uh, wonderfully worked back and forth. Again, a, a lot of work on Hiromo's knee and then, uh, you know, Hiromo working on Desperado when he would, he would hit big moves and kept kind of cutting him off and sneaking things in. It was tremendous. I thought it was interesting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't think I am, but I only had a chance to watch the match once. I didn't have to go back. I don't think Hiromo hit Time Bomb or Time Bomb 2 in this. Like I don't remember him having to come up with a close near fall after that. So if that is indeed the case, that Hiromo didn't even hit his big moves against Desperado, then it really was the story of Desperado having this strong performance and a real coronation. The idea that he didn't even take the finishing moves of Hiromo Takahashi and was able to beat him. It, it felt like them saying officially, okay, Desperado is on that level. Because Hiromo's been there alone for the past several years. I think this was a story that Desperado is absolutely, even with Hiromo Takahashi on top, we have two kings of this division instead of just one. I think that's the story they were trying to tell us, and I think they accomplished it. This was Desperado's year, man. Uh, I still think about that John Moxley match on July 5th, uh, mm. the strong independent show. And I just, I think about the the best of seven tournament with, uh, with the other guys, the, the Haunted guys. Just, he's not going to get his flowers. But Desperado had a fantastic year. And he had a better year than Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromu had a lot of big match performances and he showed up for them. But Desperado was there way more nights doing doing the doing the shows than than Hiromu was. We were watching a lot of those shows. Desperado, Desperado was definitely doing the, the tours a little bit more than Hiromu. Hiromu would join up near the end of the tours, but Desperado was, was doing a lot of work and he deserves every bit of credit for the ascension that he had this year. Not to take away from Takahashi. Hiromu had to do his part to elevate Desperado in this match, and he did. I knew going in that this was probably going to be my favorite match uh, that people weren't going to be talking about because everyone's focusing on Danielson and Okada and, and the three-way and uh, Sonata and Naito. But wherever I could get a chance to say, hey, I think Desperado and Takahashi is going to deliver. And, and yeah, I feel validated. This, is, this was a fantastic just special match. Hiromu had big matches and he had challengers in 2023. He didn't have a feud. He didn't really have a long story. It was just kind of him taking on whatever challenger of the month or every other month that it was. Desperado had the twists and turns. You know, he had the Moxley thing where he just had to go and do that death match or he wasn't going to feel right about his life. Uh, he was part of that best of seven. He had the whole thing with Master Watto. It was a much stronger storyline year for Desperado. So people had a little more emotional investment in him. And you could tell that the crowd was very, very happy when he uh, won this thing. So uh, looking at this, they said, oh, yeah, Vankin mentions this too. 
a fantastic uh, dive onto Hiromu, who was still wearing that super elaborate alien-looking jacket at the beginning to jumpstart the match, which is not uh, something that anyone expected, uh, including to, including Hiromu. It looked like uh, he, he did a great job of not looking at Desperado until the very last second. Uh, and that just set the tone for the whole thing. Brad says that Despy finished his story and the ending was wonderful. Uh, yeah, and Benkin compared them to uh, Azumi and Starlight Kid as the uh, eternal foes of New Japan. I think the, those words were even said during the broadcast by uh, Charlton. And then Rocky said what I've said for a while, which is that Hiromu is on that top plane with the original Tiger Mask and Liger as far mm -hmm. as just being a generational face of the division. And he needs that rival. And he needs his Black Tiger. He needs his Dynamite Kid. And Desperado can be that. And, I was uh, never yeah. more impressed than when I was sitting there and Rocky said there are three names that I would put Hiromu with. Melker said the names as Rocky said them. And he beat Rocky to the three names before Rocky. And I'm just like, damn it, Dave. <laughs> just just, li just listen to me for the last year. I've yeah, been saying this. Yeah, I've been saying yeah. the same thing. I've been it's saying just, the exact same thing. Funny when you know, you know, man. Like, I'm glad I have my, I'm glad I have you two here. That, that's i mean that's the that's the list and it, it's that's the yeah. short list and all that so dunson said this show and each result has the question of what now which is very exciting yeah and you know desperado is uh, we found out what is up next for desperado in a couple of ways uh so he went back to post-match comments and was challenged in a gentlemanly fashion of course by uh master wato who congratulated him and then said that he wants a shot after that not so gentlemanly he was attacked by show and yoshinobu kanemaru and uh, beaten up there in the post-match uh, area and the post-match press area. So he already has a few challengers lined up. None of them are Hiromu Takahashi looking for a rematch, which is what we've been talking about here, where whether it's global title, never open weight, I think Hiromu might be on to different things here too. He doesn't need to be in the junior heavyweight title match. He's a guy that can transcend that junior heavyweight division. I'd love to see him take a shot at that uh at the never title because i mean it's an open weight title we really haven't seen a junior rocky. Man, I thought it was a fantastic idea we'll see and uh brad says that it's interesting rocky didn't name kushida on the top tier and he's close he's close but i don't know if he was the ultimate face the way for years and years well maybe that's an interesting thought but I still think of Liger and Tiger Mask on a different plane than that. So, uh, Alessia, oh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you, Alessia. I appreciate that. It's very nice of you. And Bankin says that Kanemaru being a piece of shit toward former teammates. What a surprise. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. Shocking me. Yeah, I imagine lack of class in that, man. But uh, that'll lead to some good stuff because, you know, Desperado will have good matches with him. Uh, he could have a good match with Show. The stuff with Watto has all kinds of subtext. So, uh, good things ahead and a fresh face on top for, uh, and, it, and it does feel fresh as the champion, yes. even though he's been champion before. It's a different type of thing. The three-way, holy moly, this match. So we are on to the global title match and oh boy, hard to say enough about this one. John Moxley versus Will Ospreay versus David Finlay, 22 minutes and 17 seconds of beautiful, insane chaos. It's impossible to put this match into any kind of perspective by describing it here. If you haven't seen it, just go and watch this thing. But a couple of things that are worth mentioning are the entrances that like you mentioned here. Uh, Osprey came out with the Assassin's Creed video, which was fantastic. Uh, they also had Moxley, as you said, you told we already talked about his story, bringing the DC Comics universe into this. And then we had the truce. 
So Osprey and Moxley at the press conference the day before agreed to a five-minute truce just because that's how much of an asshole David Finlay is. <laughs> We're like, let's just take the first five minutes and beat the shit out of this guy for ruining the belts that we love and uh, the titles we worked so hard to establish. And they did. Then they actually held to it. And Jeremy, they beat David Finlay from pillar to post for the first Literally. five minutes in Literally. the ring, outside the ring, up the aisle. They came Air up came. With 50 different ways to torture this guy. He and, and it was a catharsis for the crowd, which is already annoyed with Finlay enough anyway, that the, it was just an amazing sell job by Finlay. And I tell you what, for a lot of this match, David Finlay just got the living shit kicked out of him. And it was uh, it was very, very entertaining. But once that five-minute run came up, just some incredible sequences started taking place. Uh, these three were weaving their way in and out of each other in uh, some very clever sequences here. Of course, Mox bled. We mentioned that. Uh, Finlay did the vampire spot, uh, which doesn't get the same pop in Japan. I think we've, they've seen it enough, uh, where you kind of get all the blood up and then spit it. Uh, he used the shillelagh. Uh, Finlay hit a Uranagi on Mox with on two setup chairs. Looked brutal on his back. There, here's one of my favorite. You got a bruise on its side from that one. It's one of my favorites, Jeremy. Moxley was standing over Osprey. Finlay charges in. Moxley picks him up and pile drove Finlay onto Osprey's body, laying underneath them. That was a wow spot that I've never seen before. Uh, to be have somebody pile driven onto you. Uh, of course, Kid and Coglin ran in. No disqualification match, so it worked here uh, to help Finlay. But uh, Mox and Osprey, after taking a beating for a while, came back. Osprey hit a springboard cutter on Coglin. Mox threw the uh, War Dogs onto tables on the outside. Will put them both through those tables with a dive from the top rope. Goblin uh, went through the table in a way that was absolutely amazing. It was crazy. Ass first, stuck through the table. <laughs> yeah, it was like a cartoon. It looked like a cartoon, except it was a human being there. Uh, it's like and a was, guy being stuck in an oil drum with his ass in there, but instead it was a table. <laughs> and that was at the 20-minute mark, and they're doing yeah. all this stuff. And after that, it was just trying to hit finishers, right? And they had these great sequences where one would hit a finisher and then whoever was not involved would come in and hit the other one so for instance moxley hit a death rider on finlay but osprey would come through and smash him in the back of the head with a hidden blade and was it uh, finlay almost got the flash pin off of that because it kind of landed on top of him and there were things like that in there uh just hitting finishers on each other blind sides and osprey hit a Stormbreaker but couldn't get the pin uh, Finlay hit the Oblivion for a 2.9 count. That was a great near fall. And then he hit a version of the Oblivion that was almost like he threw uh, the GTS in, where he, instead of just doing a shoulder breaker type thing off of it, he just jacked him in with his knee. knee in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great match. Uh, I thought it was thrilling. I'm not doing it justice here because there's just too much to describe. But uh, here's the key. Chat, chat room, real quick while you do this. Chat yes. room, let us know. Your opinion. Do you think Finley came out of this looking as strong as he needed to going forward? We're going to touch on that in a second. Stephen, go ahead. Okay, because that was right where I was going. I thought in this case, Finlay did step up and deliver. He was a little bit in the same situation as, eh, not quite the same, but as Master Watto last year in the four-way where Finlay's job is it's just as much to look good in this match as it is the, as it is the result he needed to look like he was on these guys level. I think he did that. I thought he was really, really good in this match. That was the best David Finlay match I can remember watching. A lot of that was Will and John. 
because Will and John are fantastic at this stuff. And I think I, I think I chirped back at one of the big social media personalities in wrestling, and I said Finley stood tall with the Giants and mission accomplished. All right. Well, let's take a look at some of these comments because we got some great ones here. Venkin says Kanemaru. Oh no, I, I got missed that one. Sorry about that. Uh, Venkin said, uh, "Hell yeah, them beating up Finley for five minutes. He was in favor. It was cathartic." It felt good. You were like, finally, this guy's getting his ass handed to him. Uh, Brad said he really liked this one a lot. Finlay pinning Osprey after the 2023 that Will had was huge. Uh, the new finish he used was dope. It did look pretty good. Vengan says, uh, don't get why he didn't ask the club to come with him at the start. He knew this would happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's we're in a little bit of wrestling. If they jumped them, they'd be you later on in the match. Yeah. They had to be Dunst's the element of surprise. Dunstan said the match was awesome. I was legit looking at the time when the five minutes were up. Yeah, I think we all were. And they did put him through a table and they looked at each other. It was like, yeah, I think we did this, didn't we? Yeah. And then, so it was a little bit before the five minutes, but it was done in a way that made perfect sense. Like, okay, we killed this guy. Now we can wrestle each other. Uh, yeah. The, the Moxley Osprey part was so great. Um, and then let's see, the match was awesome. Oh yeah. He said that, uh, Venkin mentioned that we were robbed. He says, <laughs> Uh, but when Will and Mox put Finley through the table, looked at each other and gave the proverbial thumbs up to get in the ring, it made me laugh out loud. It, so many things in this match, little moments were done no, very, no. very well. Uh, Coglin wasn't head of the table, but he was the ass of it. <laughs> He's the centerpiece. <laughs> and USVA guy with a very simple answer to our question, did Finlay step up? He says, yes, he did. I think he did too. I think this match helped Thank you, Finlay sir. a lot. And uh, then, you know, he got into an angle that'll probably end up being a really big deal. So let's talk about that. Osprey and Moxley, you know, are have been beaten. Uh, he is walking out with his new global uh, championship. Good looking belt, by the way. And uh, he stops by Nick Nemeth. And Ryan was, was there as well. Ryan was sitting next to Nick. They start John back and forth. There's a push. There's a shove. And uh, they have to be separated. And, of course, this is uh, Nick Nemeth, the former Dolph Ziggler. Afterwards, Nemeth chases him up the aisle, basically. Like they separated him out and it looked like things uh, were calming down. And all of a sudden, Nemeth jumps over the rail and chases him down the aisle. Uh, that goes all the way into the press conference afterwards, where Nemeth charged at uh, Finlay and ran him off, uh, leaving the global title behind. Nemeth then cut a promo saying that uh, he wanted a piece of Finlay. And it looks like the former Dolph Ziggler is going to be joining New Japan, at least on a partial basis. And I'll tell you what, Jeremy, the issue with the Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler, was that he had been in WWE for so long that they had done everything possible with him. And he was as stale as a guy can get in a company. It was never about his ability. It was never about his uh, style or his character. It was just that we had seen every possible combination. Okay. The idea of that guy with that kind of athleticism and that kind of experience with all fresh matchups and not having to do endless interviews, sketches, and skits, I think this could turn out to be a great fit for him. It's the idea Good. of coming in and having really strong matches in New Japan and not having to do all of the other stuff where he can just be that athlete. And he is a hell of an athlete this might be the perfect fit for the guy. And uh, I think this could really work. Go ahead. In a best case scenario, I think that that is in fact the case. One of the things that I've noticed though, is when the WWE individuals come to new Japan, it's usually, you know, 
a stock raising outing with a few matches here or there, and then they're gone and moving on to whatever whatever promotion will will do that. If this is more than that, I would be elated. But mm-hmm. I've seen this formula before. I think it's fine. I would much rather have Nick Nemeth here doing matches in New Japan, either in San Jose, Battle in the Valley, or we're or you know, New Beginnings or something like that down the line. Where would you have where would you have him wrestle? Would you have him wrestle in the States or would you have him wrestle in Japan? I do in Japan. I, I mean I think it's I think he's a fresh face and you could bring him in for some of those shows. Here's the point with Nemeth. If he had just gone over to AEW, and I'm sure if AEW had they had worked out a deal where he could make money and all that, they could do it. But he's still kind of stale because everybody watches everything. There's the you know I think or at least has access to everything. So if he goes into AEW and just kind of does Dolph Ziggler under a different name, then everyone's like, well, you know, okay, he's 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 good. But half the guys in AEW he already wrestled in WWE at various points. Right. Right. It, uh, the idea of him not having to do all that and then just doing good matches. I think this could be a good thing. Even if it's just for a year, then perhaps it would freshen him up a little bit. And, and I was, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's the, the story here, because uh, as far as a wrestler goes, he's really good. He's really good. This, this is a great opportunity for him to have a long run somewhere that will let him stand out. I just, I want to find out if that's exactly the case before I invest too much yeah. In the in the Nemeth experiment in New Japan. Well, 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 I think we're going to get a look at he and Finley right there. So uh, let's take a look at here. Uh, Brad says he finally stood toe to toe with two of the best in the world. He held his own and looked like he belonged. Fenkin disagrees though. He says no. He picked a fight with a guy at ringside after he won and then ran away with a coward. He just makes evil look good. Hmm. I mean, he is supposed to be a, a dick heel. <laughs> he is supposed to be. He a He also hero. got his ass kicked and basically escaped with the title. So if you're looking at on percent. After the match, you can't hardly blame the guy. <laughs> Dunson says, I'm in the middle. He may have looked good, but he still doesn't feel like he's in the right, he's right, the right fit for yet. the role. That's fair. I think he took a step forward, at least, anyway. Yeah. I think he, he looks more like he's there than he did before Wrestle King, which I suppose is the real uh, the real uh, goal here. And uh, Dunson says, I can't lie. The new belt bugs me. Oh, okay. It seems so small. Like, why, why did you get rid of the Intercontinental belt? <laughs> I've been asking that since they got rid of the Intercontinental title. Uh, it looks like the, the Intercontinental day title to me. I'm like, oh, cool, a new Intercontinental title. Damn you, Ibushi. Uh, USVA guy. The issue is fandom has a tendency not to think for themselves. They allow other comments to influence their thoughts on storylines and talent. Overall, uh, they don't know what they think or feel. <laughs> well, all right, that's take. Uh, but uh, Vankin says he's one of the best sellers ever. Yeah, he is really good. Uh, Brad says uh, Ziggles uh, somehow felt fresh. He looked revitalized. It did because there's just no point of reference for him in New Japan at all. And so seeing him there in, in the suit, you know, not in a Dolph Ziggler like outfit, you know, in a in a suit, he looked he looked good and uh he just looked like uh he, he looked like a threat. He just looked like a I'm, I'm hoping he can be a New Japan wrestler because this is the question, isn't it? Uh the worry for me, says Dunstan, uh he looked like he gave a damn. The worry for me is can he handle the style? And uh therein lies the question. But uh, we'll see. It looks like it's going to be David Finlay for him first, and then we'll we'll go from there. It could be, it, this could be a couple of matches, and he's done. Who knows? But yeah. uh, it, it, it does feel like something fresh. There is a clear trajectory with David Finlay. Where we go after that, who knows? Yeah, cool stuff. But uh, again, a good match, right? I mean, just one after another after another, and I totally no different than everything else in the matches. card. I have no hmm. thumbs down matches on this card. I guess we and, can get to that now. There was not a bad match on this card. 
And each one, it was totally different than anything else there. And very, very exciting. Brisk at, fast. I was shocked. We were getting out like a time queue of like 2.30 for this match. Yeah. My time, Pacific time. Ah, there you go. About 4.30 here. So after that came the rematch of the century, the one we were all dying for. Um, oh, uh, wait, uh, before we move on. Sorry, Brad uh, just jumped in. Did you see the video Nemeth put out today? His escape yes. from jail video. No, I confess I haven't seen it. Have you, Jeremy? I, I saw parts of it and it is... It is creative. It's well done. And it's every I am free from the WWE jail video that you have seen. <laughs> well, you know, he, he was there a very long time. And they he overall was. aging. Yeah. And, you know, like you got that guy, you got uh, uh, Elias did the Elijah like video where he died and was reborn as Elijah. It's like everybody has their way of saying, like, I'm no longer with WWE. And yeah. uh, Nemeth. He passed the he passed the he passed the exam. I guess you could say like he did. He 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 gave a good message out. Also important to remember with Nemeth, he has a small stand up comedy career too. So if he really wants to pursue that, then New Japan might be the way to go because you're just not working all that much. You can just come yeah. in for big matches every once in a while, and then you can really pursue comedy. Whereas if you sign with AEW, which isn't bad, right? You're making a lot of money, but you you can't just go and do that. You know, it's the schedule, if he really wants to get into comedy as his next thing after wrestling, New Japan might be a good way to do that a lot and then yes. leave every once in a while and do a match, so, yes. which is important to know. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and Scott uh, Scott Derrickson's wife directed it, and his son did the music. And Scott Derrickson from Doctor Strange. Hmm. Mm. Guy's got context, doesn't he? Yes, but he does. uh, yeah, all right. Up next, special singles match: Kazuchika Okada against Brian Danielson. The the rematch we've been waiting for, and uh, there's no question that this one delivered. But this match had a good vibe all the way through. My note on this one was it was sublime. It was just what we wanted. Twenty three minutes and twenty four seconds. Let's talk about before this match even starts. The entrances for this are super cool. We mentioned that Danielson got pyro for the first time in his entire career. Never happened in AEW, never happened in WWE. He was so damn happy coming to the ring. He was grinning. Uh, you know, the, the crowd was going crazy for him. And when he got in the ring, when Red Shoes went to do the whole you know, wrist and boot check, he hugged Red Shoes. He was just grinning ear to ear. He was so He happy. thought he was coming in for a hug, and he was like, oh, I read that wrong wrong. Yeah, but, well, we kind of did, though. And, you know, and, and he was happy to – he was just so pleased to be there. And then Okada comes out with this coat that was a cool-looking coat. We've all seen Okada's coats, and they're very elaborate and things. And then his – whole presentation stops music stops lights stop and what was that a black light thing that kind of just scans him up and ultraviolet or black light because i thought an ultraviolet would change it like i don't know but he had a color changing robe and it went from a new japan robe to a dragon hunting robe yeah yeah it was brilliant it was fantastic and uh that was really cool then his whole his music started up again and he went down to the ring uh, they uh, sprayed the money before the match again this time because you know you can't do it after the match because there's another match afterwards. You got to clean all that shit up. So uh, I had to had to throw the money around there, but that gave Danielson a chance to pick one of the dollar bills up and tear it up uh, there. But uh, he came out with his eye patch, of course. That's part of the whole thing here. It was uh, the broken orbital bone from before. He said he was going to break Okada's arm, and he proceeded to work Okada's arm for much of the first ten minutes of the match. Danielson is so good at this kind of thing. Not one minute of that dragged. 
he just had so many different ways to work that arm. It never got slow. It was always interesting. He eventually hit a butterfly suplex off the top that went into a, a label lock on Okada. Uh, Okada would hit him in the head and he would sell the eye big time. Uh, he was great at selling that. Okada was great at selling the arm. So when the time came to pull the eye patch off completely, uh, that uh, was an effective moment in the match, just pulling off the eye patch because he would just kind of keep kicking him in that side of the head. We kind of got grouchy Dick Okada there in a little bit mm-hmm. there, but the crowd was very 50-50 in this one. Well, 50-50. I think they were a little more for Okada, the hometown guy. But They were just into this match. He hit the big elbow drop off the top. Nobody got hurt. But he, but Okada sold the arm because of, of Danielson had been working on it. Uh, running knee for two. I mean, again, this is a match that I, I'm not going to do justice by describing move for move here, right? But there, there was a very dramatic running knee for a two into a label lock that looked like it might have been another submission. They really played it up hard. He got both of the arms pulled way back. Okada looked like he was either going to pass out from pain or tap. It was worked beautifully. He managed to get the ropes at the last second. He did the Rainmaker pose, but could only put one arm out, the one that he hadn't been working. The details in this one is just so beautiful. Uh, Danielson did the stomps where he holds Okada's hands, but that ended up being his undoing because as he was doing the stomps, uh, Okada grabbed his wrist, pulled him up, and turned that into a rainmaker. Fighting for big moves led to another running knee. He tried it again, missed it, and Danielson ran into the landslide. Okada hooked in the rainmaker to win this thing. These are two of the best in the world. This was the match we were hoping to get, and the injury prevented it back in Toronto. It was fantastic. It was state-of-the-art storytelling and wrestling. Afterwards, they bowed down uh, to knelt down the ring, bowed to one another, not just the standing bow, but the full blown thing. And Daniel, or Daniel Bryan, sorry, Brian Danielson fulfills a career goal here to wrestle in uh, the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, it was beautiful and everything you love about pro wrestling for me. Miles and miles and miles and miles and miles better than the Forbidden Door match for me personally. Look, they've just hit differently in the Tokyo Dome. I don't know how to say it other than. Osprey and Omega, to me, was better in the Tokyo Dome. Okada and Danielson, to me, was better in the Tokyo Dome. This is just, this is just the way it is. So I, uh, I am 100%. My dogs agree that the Tokyo Dome is all about this. So I'm going to hand it back to you. But uh, while I get them under control, man, this was a special match. Uh, all the stars. Yeah. All the yeah, thumbs was- up. All the opportunities. We all know this match was going to be great. It delivered. There was only one thing that made me laugh in this entire match. Do you know what I'm talking about? Go ahead. They were outside the ring, and Okada had Danielson set up on one side of the rampway, and they walked across the rampway and jumped up on a pallet to get a running start. And his running start consisted of a hop, a skip, and a jump. <laughs> I'm skipping a and jump. And then he got hit with a psycho knee. Uh not exactly the accelerated uh, trajectory that I thought he was going for when he came off the pallet, but hey, sometimes you just don't want to tear your ACL jumping off the pallet. <laughs> I can respect that decision too. So uh, we'll get to a couple of these, uh, some of these comments here. Venkin says that Brian gave us a class on how to destroy an arm. Uh, yeah, our class on how to destroy an arm. He certainly did. Both those things, classic, and it was a class on it. Uh, Venkin mentions that, yeah, Red Shoes did hug him. Uh, 
Brad says this match, this effing match. There's nothing else to say. It, it was, was perfect. Was magic, it, man. And we got glimpses of Asshole Okada, and it was great. Uh, Venkin thinks you should save uh, Asshole Okada for uh, only Kato Kiyomiya, <laughs> but I think we'll be seeing that again, yeah. But uh, he, he brought a little of that out just to bully Danielson around a little bit with the eye. And then Brad says when they did the 20-minute call, I couldn't believe it. The match felt like it had just started. It was so smooth. I had uh, call, US... I had, uh, we were talking in the room. I thought, uh, this match might go 25 minutes if the last one went that. They want 30 minutes. These, these matches have been going short. And uh, Dave like, oh, this is going to go 35, 40 minutes. And it's going to be a classic. I'm like, is it so? <laughs> and then it ended at 23-something. I'm like, yeah, I kind of felt like it was going to be a 25 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, USB guy, uh, I'm still annoyed that just last week Danielson loses cleanly to Kingston in an okay match, then steps in and dominates Okada. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, the uh, the fans chanting yes uh, was incredible, yeah, that really was. The, the, the crowd got into that. Uh, Brian's last full time year, uh, that might uh, that means he might be back next year. <laughs> the crowd loved him, yeah, maybe. I would keep in mind, wrestling retirements are wrestling retirements now. So far, there's only one that's ever been successful, and it's Jack Briscoe. Uh, Venkin Bjorn says, I'll give it a five and a half. I'd imagine stars. He's probably guessing there. Uh, Dunn says, given an extra five minutes, this match would have hit nuclear yep. in the dome. Yep. Yeah. You know, but I, I felt like it was the right way to end it. I, I just, I don't really have any notes. Than Naito and Sonata and Naito and Sonata ended perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. But this was, this was brilliant. I, I absolutely loved it. Had a great time watching it. Yeah. Just a feel-good um, moment for everybody. Like I said, if Danielson can just get to Arena Mexico at some point this year, it'll be the year uh, that he's always dreamed of, and I think he deserves to have it. There are people that are going to say that Omega and Osprey at the Dome last year were better than this, and they might be right. But I think I liked this more, and I loved that match. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Danielson was all smiles afterwards, even though I he lost. Was, oh, during the match, like the whole thing. Yeah. We, we yeah. were all just like, you could have the time of his life. He's so happy. <laughs> we, we were all dancing. I'm going to say was. something, but you were already like, he was so happy coming down the ramp. Like, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. I, it was just, you know, the, the, the whole feel good thing is like, he, we were all him in that moment. Like, we all yeah. think like, that's that's how we'd feel we if we were in the ring. We finally got to see Brian Danielson in the Tokyo Dome. We all have talked about this for 12, 10, 5, 8, 2, 3 years. Like, yeah. you start your clock of wrestling fandom, you've been talking about Brian Danielson in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> we got to see it. It was great. Yeah. One more else? match to go. No, one more match one? to go. All right. The main event and the audience in the Tokyo Dome made it clear that this was the main event of the show. Boy, they were into this one. And the IWGP World Heavyweight title, Sonata against Tetsuya Naito, went 25 minutes and 42 seconds. So, you know, looking back, yeah, nothing went 26. It was 20 and 25, 42. Tetsuya Naito is over, boys and girls. I mean, the crowd went nuts for this guy's entrance, and uh, it was like a the very entire, uh, audience of the Hiroshima Carp showed up for the, for the yes, <laughs> that's right. And uh, you know, Sonata's entrance was also very cool. Uh, and you know, the match kind of began, and the crowd was primed for it. The first ten minutes were a steady main event style match. And I don't mean anything but compliments by that. It was just well worked, just building up because you know that it's not time yet to kick things in. Uh, but there was a skull end at the 11 minute mark and that got things moving. So all of that is simply to set things up. Naito worked on Sonata's neck a lot. Uh, and, you know, Sonata hit his you know, sudden high impact offense on on Naito setting up skull ends and moving in and out of holds and all that stuff. It was just really well worked. And of course, these guys know each other pretty well. 
Naito hit a draping neckbreaker, for instance. Uh, Sonata hit a poison rana, but then went for the moonsault, but Naito got his knees up for that. Uh, it just kept building and building momentum. It just felt like the match was starting to roll downhill. It seemed like, and what I mean by that is like each minute seemed a little bit more intense than the previous one. It was accelerating rapidly as the as the match was building. Like it just the urgency felt there. I know what you're saying. Naito is a master psychologist, and Sonata. We got the really good Sonata today, and more than that, we got some emotion out of Sonata during the match. There were times in this match when he, his facial expressions were there and he was in the moment and he was expressing himself. And I just thought, damn it all Sonata. If this was, if only we could get this from you more, uh, it would be so much better, but we got, I'm not going to, I'm not here to knock the rest of his title reign or anything like that. This match is what we're here to talk about. And he did a hell of a great job. Uh, so, Oh, you know, I, I think this, I think this match absolutely salvaged his reign. Naito hit an Esperanza and then a Destino. Second Destino was countered into a TKO at about the 20-minute mark. Now we're talking. Now the crowd's going. And the crowd was never quiet during this match. This felt like a more pre-pandemic crowd at this point. And it had start, had felt that way for a few matches at that point. Sonata hit a moonsault uh, to Naito's back, hit his second one to the front for two. Naito fought back to hit the Destino again for a two-count, tried for another one. Uh, but Sonata turned it into a deadfall, but was too beaten up to cover him. Key moment there. Sonata hit a Destino of his own. Naito managed to counter that with a Tornado DDT, and the crowd's living and dying by every single one of these moves. Sonata went for another deadfall. Naito reversed it into his own deadfall. That got a huge pop. After that, it was all it was all downhill for Sonata. Valencia, Naito hits the Valencia, then he hits the Destino for three. Crowd was going absolutely wild. He's legit headbutted only... Sonata on that last Destino. Yeah, they bonked heads on it there. Uh, he was the only member of LIJ to win tonight. Everyone else lost their matches. And the key to this one, like you mentioned, you know, did it salvage Sonata's title reign? Well, it certainly was by far the best match of the rain and maybe the best Sonata match I've ever seen. There the there was a G1 match with Okada that was gorgeous too mm-hmm. from Sonata uh down a few years ago. It like was the 20, one I think where Sonata like Sonata beat him with a few seconds left in the time limit, but that was great too. But this was special and you got uh, his full effort. Sonata was in the moment expressing himself. His athleticism is beyond reproach. We know this. The only thing missing from him was this charisma, and it was all there in this match. And like, where's this Ben Sonata? My God, this this is the this is what we were looking for the whole time. And uh, the good news is, his title reign is not going to go down as a very good one in IWGP World Heavyweight history. But this match is going to go down as a very very special match. We'll get to the aftermath because that was important as well uh, in a second. But the match itself, Jeremy, how did you feel? when Naito got that three count. I felt, and I'll be honest with you, happy but almost bittersweet because it was like, you know, when something is over, like a journey or a story and it's like that final, a final word is put to put the paper and it's like, okay, the story's been told. The, like, Cody's story has ended. Well, Naito's story has ended. And, you know, it's like, Tomorrow's a new day. He's going to walk around with that belt. I don't personally think he's going to have that belt for very long. Um, 
But this was all about tonight. And when the match was over and he was laying on the mat and then they put the towel over his head, it was just like, all right, we, uh, this audience made this match. You know, it's like this audience elevated everything about this match. You had a number of people on the internet, and the internet in a lot of ways is not real, uh, telling us that this match wasn't important and that this match didn't carry weight and legitimacy for New Japan, and it was kind of weird that this was the main event. Hey, now, let's think about this. You know, it's like this was the most important thing at the end of the year for New Japan this year. And that audience, they made it clear. So afterwards, Naito was there. He picks up the microphone. <laughs> and by the way, Brad, I predicted this. I'm the one. Uh, we'll get to the Jeremy's been flat out clairvoyant in a lot of things. I'm the one that predicted this. Uh, but uh, he picks up the microphone. He is about to speak. Suddenly, evil and Dick Togo slide in the ring and attack Naito. And it was... This is why I was advocating for this for, for a few weeks now. The idea of the roll call, him doing the roll call, they've created merch about the roll call, the roll call, roll call, roll call. It was as much of a spot in this thing as anything, as any move was, as any three count was. They had to put it in jeopardy to get the full dramatic effect out of this. If he had just gotten in the ring and just does the, does the roll call immediately, it would have been great. No one would have complained. That little extra icing on the cake is putting the roll call itself in jeopardy because they, it had happened before, and I thought that they would tease it again coming up. It was just such a perfect little, a little bit of icing, like I said, just that that one extra thing that makes it a little bit more dramatic. So, Evil's got him there. Dick Togo's got him there. Now, we were wondering, would the rest of Lij come out and celebrate? How was this? How was the roll call going to be saved? They came up with a wonderful solution to that. Just as Evil is about to say, "You're not getting your roll call, you son of a." Sonata pulls himself back up and delivers a shining wizard to evil, knocking him down. He then helps Naito get rid of Dick Togo and Naito is left alone there to give his post-match speech. At which point he pays tribute to Sonata as Sonata is just about to leave going up the aisle saying, I wouldn't be holding this microphone if it weren't for you. Might've been a little dusty in my house at that time. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Got something in my eye at that moment. And then, Afterwards, Sonata bowed to him. The crowd starts chanting Sanada, Sanada. I might have gone a little dusty in my God. eye when that happened. And then Sonata is in tears. And there have been great moments over the years of guys leaving the Tokyo Dome in tears. Yeah. Like the the Okada, one of the greatest when he lost to Tanahashi and he hadn't quite gotten to the mountain, and Ghetto is, you know, arm around him and he's crying. It went, they don't do it much, but when they do it, they do it perfectly. And this was another example of it. And I think a lot of that was probably genuine from Sonata right there. It was that yeah. he realized that the crowd respected his effort as much as Naito's in that moment. And uh, oh. go ahead. I was just going to say, there was never any other choice but evil. And it was because of the LIJ link. Yeah. You have Sonata there who was once part of LIJ. You had right. Evil there, who was part of that LIJ, and left. All you're doing is you're bringing all the disparate parts of LIJ back, just like yep. they did at the Suzuki-Goon uh, retirement ceremony, where all these disparate parts, even if it wasn't like 
everybody showed up and had a part to play in the LIJ finale, if that makes any sense. And yeah. Evil played his part, and it couldn't have been anybody else. It yeah. never, it never could have been anybody else. Yeah. So let's say everybody was either mentioned in the roll call or was part of the angle afterwards. It's ever been an LIJ. Everybody, every member of LIJ was a part of this yeah. whole thing. So Naito at the end did do the roll call, and that ending day ha pon blew the roof off the Tokyo Dome. The crowd sat there and they were going to have this moment. They got the moment. It was wonderful. You got to see Tetsuya Naito walk up that gorgeous aisle with that set and the video screens, dragging the IWGP World Heavyweight title, as he should. Naito shouldn't put that thing on. He should go and just drag it behind him there. Uh, no notes, perfect. Looking, I mean, th this is the happy ending we wanted. And I get what you mean about how there's a tinge of sadness to it because we know that Naito's getting older. We know his body is not holding up the way it had. And we know that this is the moment. It's never going to quite be this good again, is it? it th like, this is it. And uh, But we got it. It, we it, got will it. Be, it will be another 10, 12, 15 years before we are in a position where there is a guy with a legacy and a story in New Japan that has had the long, that has had the longevity that Naito has, the stories, the main events, like there just isn't anyone there with that kind of cachet, and and to build that to to go again is going to take a very long time. And so when I say it's bittersweet, it's because this is a generational story, and it's not going to happen again next year, and it's not going to happen in like three years. Yeah. You know, it's like this is. This is done for a while. This kind of uh, era era ending event for New Japan. So Naito wins his first G one. His match against Kazuchika Okada is demoted to semi main event due to a fan vote. He is sent off to refigure his character. Comes back as uh, screw you people and screw your belts, Naito, which was great. Uh, him abusing the title belts when he would win them, just like you know. It, you know, you guys didn't accept me when I did want this thing. Now, you know, now up yours, right? Goes through that whole character arc, gets back to it, loses, gets back to it, wins, but doesn't get the roll call because he's attacked by Kenta. And we'll get to Kenta here in a second because he had something to do with this too today. After all that, he gets back and he has the full blown moment, the victory, the crowd on his side, him wanting the belt now. And getting it, and then getting his roll call. It was a gorgeous ending to a 10-year-long story. So, fantastic stuff. Let's hear what the folks have to say about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brad says, Naito's over just a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he, he elaborates, though. He says, when I got back into New Japan around 2016, 2017, Naito was the first guy I became a fan of. This match was so special, his story was built perfectly to this payoff. Yep. Benkin mentions, how many Destinos was it? Four? It's a lot of Destinos in this match, but by both men. Is the Destino the least protected finisher in wrestling? It seems like everyone kicks out, but yeah, it's still a huge move. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the, uh, it it doesn't get the the win every single time. In fact, he usually has to do two in a row in, in order to get the victory. And no Stardust Press, no Stardust Press at no. all. No. Uh, Vengan said, I noticed those losses too. Uh, Brad says uh, Jeremy wins the G1 pool, calls the end of the IWGP Tag Title Match. And then uh, we corrected this part about evil coming out. Around. I got that one by God. I, I, I can pull a little bit of weight around here once in a while. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'd say we're pretty well in tune with this company. I, I think we could do it. We pay right. attention. We, we do our uh, homework. Oh, 
but more importantly, Jeremy, uh, Brad wants to know the lotto numbers, so get those to him in a private uh, chat. It's my birthday, the Queen's over the kid, though. For me. <laughs> Uh, evil made sense. We all know he's the best heel that's free at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons it makes sense because the LIJ connection. And like like I talked about too, I really think New Japan wants his first defense to just be full-blown babyface Naito against full-blown jerk heel. No, we can divide the audience later, but let's just have the one where everybody wants the same thing. And uh, let's see, Venkin just says, uh, and the crowd cheered for Sonata. Yeah, they sure did. They really appreciated that match. They appreciated that effort. And that was a special moment for Sonata, even in the defeat, uh, walking out with the crowd chanting his name. Much uh, deserved. And yes, Brad mentions this. Kenta did tweet out uh, a simple tweet where he just put Day Ha Punk in uh, Japanese right there. Yeah, he did. That was his tweet today uh, to send uh, a little bit of a tribute out. And Brad says, might have been the greatest long-term story we've had in a very long time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there are others that have potential, but they never seem to pay off uh, like this. And, uh, and Dunson says, I hope Naito throws that belt everywhere until we get the V4 belt back. Uh, Dunson says, let me dream. So let uh, me dream. I'll tell you my dream. We did it, Stephen. We yeah. finished our Wrestle Kingdom coverage. And now you're going on vacation. I am going on vacation. I will not be here next week. Uh, I will be uh, floating around the Caribbean somewhere. Uh, so no uh, internet, Jer- no internet stream. They 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 don't they don't. He's cruising the high seas. He's not cruising the internet stream. That's exactly right. Now they do have the internet. You can get the internet package. Yes, yes. I do not want it. The entire point is to get the living hell away from yes, it for I. a week. Yes. So I don't. I am not paying for that. I don't want it. Uh, I want to go away. For I a while. tentatively have a guest host. I am not going to announce guest host because I need to make sure that they are going to be available next week, and I do not want to put them in a position of anything <laughs> other than thank you for coming to help me out. If not, I will have another secret guest host, and we will announce that shorter to the show. I'm working on it, everybody, but I promise you, we will have a show next week. Well, maybe a show next week. You got. You're going to have plenty to talk about because New Year's Dash New Year is tomorrow. Dash. And we'll have the valley, which I am going to. I tell you, we cover this company like a battle of the valley. Uh, potentially be uh, trying to set up and network some interviews going forward with some people there in New Japan. I am, you know, getting ambitious with (laughs) with the uh, with the podcastery. Uh, but yes, we will be here back next week, 5 30 p.m. Eastern without Stephen Conway, but I will be here. Stephen, what do you got? And in two weeks, when we come back, uh, we'll have plenty to talk about all the news and all the things, Battle in the Valley and all that. Uh, but also, we're going to talk about Killer Khan, who is a big star and a very important figure in New Japan history who passed away. We just don't have time for it this week on Wrestle Kingdom Week. But uh, Killer Khan passed away. We're going to get into him and what he meant. He has a very strong influence today. Basically, Great Khan's doing his uh, act, for the most part, in, in a way. But he had a real impact on professional wrestling. He deserves to be talked about and deserves a little bit of a tribute. A top New Japan guy, WWF guy, big star all over the world. Uh, Killer Khan passing away uh, at his restaurant uh, not uh, too long ago. So we'll talk about him in a couple of weeks. We'll get into a little history Popcorn segment there. Popcorn round, Stephen. Thank you, Matt. I go over the Noah main event disaster. Do you want to spend a minute and I'll spend a minute with our thoughts or less? And you just. I hate to end on us. I just hate to end on a sad note like that. We were going on. We, uh, we live to the please the fans. (laughs) There is no Kota Bushi anymore as we know him. And what we saw there was, uh, I'm not going to suppose too much on the air right here, but he needs a little bit of help. He needs to uh, 
he needs to take a step back from pro wrestling and figure out if this is really what he can, what he can do going forward. He's hurt there. Uh, he's definitely injured. We knew that we knew that he looked like he was hurt coming into the match. It looked like there was more than that going on. And it, uh, it reminded me too much eerily of, uh, Sting and Jeff Hardy, except, uh, Naomichi Marafuji is so good that he somehow managed to pry, uh, or was or he had to get 20 minutes out of that uh, mess. Uh, this was uncomfortable to watch. It was sad to watch. It was painful to watch. And I just hope that Ibushi, well, he has to step away now because his, yeah. his body is uh, banged up and injured again. But there's more than that going on. I think he yeah. needs to figure things out before he comes back again. He looked puffy. He looked out of shape. And uh, there are things beyond bad ankles going on, I think, that need to be addressed. And whether whatever that is, I, I don't know what that is, but that's not the guy that was uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, didn't really want to talk about it because it wasn't uh, germane to New Japan. Kota's not really in New Japan anymore. Wasn't really with the New Japan home. But I understand why we're having this conversation. It was sad. It was, it was just sad. And there's no amount of punditry or uh, commentary that you can say that can eloquently uh, put forth the sadness that I felt in watching it and wondering why this match is even happening. Why mm -hmm. Noah felt like they had to go through with the match. The anger of Marafuji within the match of having to carry Kota through it the arrogance that Coda thought that he could do this match. There was just a lot of mistakes. It makes me very sad. And I hope that if Coda is ever able to come back in the ring, and honestly, I think, I think this should be it for him, at least for a very, very long time. Uh, your health is more important than performing for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whatever that means, I mean, it could be a lot of different things, but I, I hope he takes a step back and gets himself together because it's yeah. just clearly not the same guy. And I don't mean just physically. So there's a lot going on. So hopefully he gets some help. So, but hey, the Tokyo uh, made event ruled. <laughs> absolutely. So, all right, man. I think we did this, right? We nailed it. Who calls the hammer? We? we nailed it. Man, I watched a lot of good wrestling this week. <laughs> you know what I'm not going to do for the next couple of days? What's that? Uh, after New Year's Dash, I'm not going to watch any wrestling for a couple of days. Oh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to I'm going to play some video games. I'm going to try to catch up on stuff movie. until the ship leaves the dock. There you go. I'm going. I'm, I'm going yeah. to be watching stuff all weekend, man. I'm going to try to catch up. I'm I am uh, exiting the kingdom of wrestling for a week. <laughs> with that in mind, for, uh, for Jeremy Finestone, I'm Stephen Conway. I'll be back in two weeks. Jeremy will be back next week with a guest uh, to talk. And my dogs who and, love yeah. to hang out. New Year's Dash, Battle in the Valley. The story never ends, really. We just have to find out what the next chapters are. And I think we're going to get a big, big clue as to those items tomorrow. So for Jeremy, I'm Stephen. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We'll talk to you again very soon.